Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. And I mean it, whoever. Uh, No voiceover intro this week. I think I lost it to a faulty, possibly counterfeit microSD card. No big deal. I'll either have to re-record it or look at it as a good excuse to come up with a new intro. Yeah, uh, I mentioned on the most recent Patreon bonus show how I bought what was supposedly a 500 gigabyte micro SD card for eight bucks off of some online marketplace and ended up losing over 200 gigabytes in show related data. A rookie mistake. Uh, I should have known better, but what are you going to do? Luckily, I had enough sense to back up some of the more important files elsewhere, like the Krampus documentary, etc. Let's see, what else do I discuss on the bonus show? Oh yeah, I talk about this YouTuber I follow, this very kind of squeaky clean, or so uh, the person always seemed, content creator, whose videos I used to enjoy, who to my surprise ended up falling prey to heroin addiction. They came out with a video not too long ago where they disclosed the whole dark, sordid story. I didn't cover it on the main show out of an attempt at respect for the person, Even though they have a huge channel and they've been very open about everything, I didn't want to broadcast their name openly on the main show and have it seem like I was turning what they went through into uh, episode fodder. You could probably make an argument that in a way it's even worse putting it behind a paywall as bonus content. But my line of thinking was, at least here, tucked away on Patreon, I can talk or vent about this story that really interests me without uploading it to YouTube where it might seem like I'm exploiting the person by using their name and what they went through for views. But on a happy note, the person's been clean for at least a couple of months and they're back to making YouTube videos. So that's very good. All right, Facebook shoutouts. So I have to admit that I've been jumping around so much, picking 10 random names at a time to read each week, that I'm starting to have trouble telling which names I haven't read yet. So I'm just going to go back to reading the most recent likes at the top of the list. So this week we have Marnie Legree LaForge, no relation to Jordy, I imagine, Annie Burdell, Jonathan E. Kaiser, I think it is, Uh, Okay, so first story, and in full disclosure, I might chop this episode up by topic for YouTube, but I'll probably also still upload the full version as usual for you brave, wonderful masochists who prefer listening to me ramble on at length. So this might seem out of left field, but I'm going to be talking about Brad Pitt. And speaking as a Gen Xer, I feel like you can kind of tell how old someone is based on whether or not they reference Brad Pitt as the standard of male beauty. I'm alright, but I'm no Brad Pitt, or something like that. If they do say stuff like that, chances are you probably are talking to a fellow Gen Xer. Don't get me wrong, I think Brad Pitt has actually uh, been aging very well. But for us Gen Xers, Brad Pitt was the it guy. Girls loved him, guys wanted to be him. His face was everywhere. He was in a ton of popular movies, Interview with a Vampire, Legends of the Fall, 12 Monkeys, Meet Joe Black, Benjamin Button, Seven, that one definitely uh, traumatized me, Fight Club, and the list goes on and on. Here's a quick self-correction. I think I just said interview with a vampire. I've been doing that forever. I I believe it's actually interview with the vampire. 
I read the book. I love the movie. In fact, I, I think I read all of Anne Rice's vampire uh, novels, and I still can't get that right. All right, whatever. One less thing I have to correct next week. But why are we talking about Brad Pitt? Well, I recently stumbled upon a Patheos article concerning him and whether or not he identifies as an atheist. Okay, so as I mentioned, this is from Patheos, uh, the Friendly Atheist channel in particular, and it's actually by Hemant Mehta himself, and it's dated September 16th, so not too long ago. If you're been, and it looks like there's a grammatical error right off the bat, it should probably be, if you've been an atheist for any length of time, you've no doubt had someone tell you it's just a phase, you're probably angry at God, or mad at the world, or just looking to be different, and you'll eventually come around back to God, like the prodigal son you are. It's such an insult to those who stopped believing in God because they studied the topic, asked critical questions, and came to the conclusion on their own. Yet the whole I was going through a phase stereotype is basically what actor Brad Pitt says in a new interview with GQ. The actor has long been open about being non-religious for the better part of the best decade. Is that another typo? Should it be the better part of the last decade, perhaps? I don't know. In a 2009 interview with the German tabloid Bild, he was fairly blunt about being somewhere between atheist and agnostic. Bild, do you believe in God? Brad Pitt, smiling. No, no, no. Bild, is your soul spiritual? Brad Pitt, no, no, no. I'm probably 20% atheist and 80% agnostic. I don't think anyone really knows. You'll either find out or not when you get there. Until then, there's no point thinking about it. He was even more open in a 2017 GQ interview in which he mocked the sort of Christianity he grew up with. We grew up First Baptist, which is the cleaner, stricter, by-the-book Christianity. Then, when I was in high school, my folks jumped to a more charismatic movement, which got into speaking in tongues and raising your hands and some goofy-ass shit. <laughs> I remember going to a few concerts, even though we were told rock shows are the devil, basically. Our parents let us go. They weren't neo about it. But I realized that the reverie and the joy and the exuberance, even the aggression, I was feeling at the rock show was the same thing at the revival. One is Jimmy Swagger and one is Jerry Lee Lewis, you know? One's God and one's devil. But it's the same thing. It felt like we were being manipulated. What was clear to me was, you don't know what you're talking about. And here goes any chance at monetizing this video. <laughs> and the interviewer says, And it didn't fuck you up? No, it didn't. <clears throat> Me up. It just led to some Eden questions at a young age. Goofy ass shit. Why am I making a distinction? You know, <laughs> I'm saying shit, but I'm not dropping an F-bomb. Uh, I mean, YouTube will demonetize you for looking the wrong way nowadays. Who I should just focus on the audio-only uh, podcast audience. Goofy-ass shit, the feeling of being manipulated. Recognizing the similarities between the highs you get in church and at rock concerts. All are typical things an atheist might say. Yet Pitt, who's promoting his new movie, Ad Astra, has taken a different approach to religion in the new GQ interview out today. The 55-year-old actor now says he's over the whole atheism thing. 
It came up while he and reporter Zach Barron were talking about optimism and whether Pitt was always a glass-half-full sort of guy. And then Pitt replies, Oh man, I've gone through everything, like I cling to religion. I grew up with Christianity, always questioned it, but it worked at times. And then when I got on my own, I completely left it, and I called myself agnostic. Tried a few spiritual things, but didn't feel right. Then I called myself an atheist for a while. Just kind of being rebellious. I wasn't really, but I kind of labeled myself that for a while. It felt punk rock enough. And then I found myself coming back around to just belief in, I hate to use the word spirituality, but just a belief in that we're all connected. So he's gone from a Christian on the fringe to atheist to whatever the hell Marianne Williamson is. That's not a spiritual journey. That's just a boomerang thrown without any aim. He's saying something that feels right for the moment and might make him look thoughtful to the sort of people drawn to celebrity interviews, which I suppose is precisely what we should expect. But it doesn't say much at all. I would love to know how he went from accepting the lack of supernatural nonsense in our lives to believing magic is real. How exactly does he think we're connected in a way that no longer makes him an atheist? I mean, there's an argument to be made that we're all technically related and that we're all humans dealing with similar problems, but Pitt's response suggests something beyond that. I have no idea what he quote-unquote is now. It doesn't really matter, I guess, except that Pitt now believes it's to his advantage to throw atheism under the bus, as if it was just part of an act from a decade ago. Okay, so that concludes that article. So honestly, I can kind of relate to both Pitt and the author of the uh, Patheos article, Hemet Meta, of course, on the one hand, Pitt does kind of seem like he's shrugging off atheism as just some silly phase he went through. And I get why that upsets or offends the author. And it bothers me, too. Like, atheism was just some cringy fashion statement he threw off once he outgrew it. And I think that is rather insulting to really thoughtful atheists who have come to their unbelief through a lot of sober introspection and research and perhaps, uh, like myself, through some prolonged dark nights of the soul as you painfully outgrow or your reason leads you away from your childhood indoctrination. As I've said on the show before, there was a time when, for me, there was nothing more terrifying or disturbing than the idea that there might not be a god or an afterlife. But that's, uh, you know, where my reason was leading me. For me, unbelief wasn't some fashion statement or passing phase. The idea that there very well not might not be a god or an afterlife was a, a very painful conclusion, something that I really had to uh, wrestle with. So I think even if you're someone who has personally quote-unquote outgrown your atheism, you should still have some thought for all the unbelievers out there for whom atheism is a well-thought-out worldview, a worldview that a lot of people catch, uh, let's uh, double down on the demonetization, catch shit for. 
Atheism is still something of a dirty word, and people who wear that word or label openly still have to fight to be accepted. That might sound a bit hyperbolic or overly dramatic, but think about it. Think about how the average person reacts to the word atheist, the fact that running for public office while identifying openly as an, as an atheist is pretty much tantamount to career suicide here in the U.S., with a, with a few exceptions, admittedly. All that being said, in fairness to Pitt, uh, he's talking about his personal journey. Maybe he's decided he doesn't like getting weighed down with labels, which I can kind of relate to. And I can also kind of relate to struggling to figure out what it's all about, trying to figure out exactly what your worldview is, and kind of throwing your hands up in frustration and saying, screw the labels, I don't know, and no one else does either, you know? And so it seems he's left with some vague spirituality or vague sense that we're all connected for whatever that's worth or whatever it means. And that's something I've talked about ad nauseum on the show, too, that I think these certain feelings of transcendence or oneness are a part of the human experience. And I'm very well acquainted with them, but that doesn't mean they're proof of some literal spirit dimension or of a god or an afterlife. These could just boil down to chemical-slash-psychological phenomena, chemical states generated by the brain, like the ego-death experienced on a uh, potent hallucinogenic drug, etc. Still rich and valuable experiences, but not definitive proof of anything spooky or spiritual at the end of the day. And it's funny, he, uh, meaning Brad Pitt, describes himself, or he used to describe himself at least, as being a mix of atheist and agnostic. I think he said, uh, what was it, about 80% agnostic to 20% atheist. And that reminded me of the stream Steve McRae did last night. And you regular listeners will probably be familiar with Steve McRae. I've covered the ongoing non-sequitur show drama, and Steve McRae, of course, is one of the founders of that podcast slash YouTube channel, who's still waiting to get paid by his former partner, uh, Kyle Curtis. But it's funny, Steve has this pet peeve concerning the term agnostic atheist. He's very into philosophy, and he regards it as being kind of technically uh, an unsound term. And that gets uh, awkward for me because I like Steve, but I'm also in the habit of referring to myself as an agnostic atheist. I can remember when I first started this podcast, I used to make it clear that although I doubted the existence of a higher power and an afterlife, that I thought all religions were just man-made belief systems, that I wasn't sure if I was technically an agnostic or an atheist. I remember one day this YouTube viewer, one of the first people to ever comment on my YouTube channel, said, You sound like an agnostic atheist. I had never heard the term before. And it was an eye-opener because the definition seemed to describe my worldview perfectly. And horrible source, I know. Well, actually, Wikipedia is pretty good. But if you're trying to cite scholarly sources to back up an argument or lend an air of credibility, it's obviously not good. But, but I like Wikipedia's simple definition of agnostic atheist. And it's kind of uh, my worldview in a nutshell. Agnostic atheism is a philosophical position that encompasses both atheism and agnosticism. Agnostic atheists are atheistic because they do not hold a belief in the existence of any deity, and agnostic because they claim that the existence of a deity is either unknowable in principle or currently unknown in fact. 
And that's pretty much my position. I think all religions are man-made. I'm highly skeptical of the faith claims and concepts of God attached to man-made religions. And, I'm, uh, and uh, I don't know if my, uh, my friend and listener, Liz Marie, is listening. She'll probably say, man-made religions, what other kind are there? And uh, I'm also doubtful of the existence of an immortal soul, an afterlife, or a higher power in general. That being said, you, you know, I'm, I'm one monkey on a rock in space. I don't know everything far, far from it. And I don't think we can say for certain, you know, definitely whether or not there is or isn't a God. But once again, I have my doubts, to say the least. And uh, of course, we could get into a long argument over what exactly we mean by God, personal God, impersonal God, some vague, all-pervading force or presence, an interventionist God, uh, the God of the deist, blah, blah, blah. I remember once I was watching this atheist versus theist debate, and there was this kind of world-weary old rabbi, I think, moderating. And he's kind of rubbing his head and says, paraphrasing, Perhaps before we start arguing over whether or not God exists, we should first establish what exactly we mean by God. But I try to approach this agnostic atheist thing with all due humility. Because I have to admit, I only have a very crude layman's understanding of the history of philosophy. I remember I used to like to think of myself as a naturally philosophical person, the type of person that tends to think deeply about things, perhaps too much for their own good. But to be honest, academically speaking, I know the names of a lot of the famous philosophers throughout the ages, and I can give you the basic gist of what they believed or professed. But beyond that, I, I start to get lost in the weeds. So Steve McRae definitely knows a heck of a lot more about philosophy than I do. I have no idea what the actual merits of the term agnostic atheist actually are. I do know in everyday use it can be a bit of a pain. People outside of atheist circles have no idea what it means and they think it sounds contradictory, which understandably in a way it does. And then within atheist circles even, you know, you sometimes run to people who take issue with the term. But I guess Steve and Matt Dillahunty have butted heads on this issue before. And then Dillahunty recently used the term... Uh, agnostic atheist on a recent episode of the atheist experience and that was kind of the impetus for steve's stream okay on to the second story so speaking of matt dillahunty how's that for a segue i was watching cult of dusty last week and warning this is going to be a drama heavy segment and i know what you might be saying hey phil you went out of your way not to mention that other youtuber's name and now you're gonna wallow in drama yes perhaps i'm being a bit hypocritical here but in fairness, that involved a young girl who was wrestling with addiction, and this involves two grown-ass men. That's my rationale, anyway. Uh, I, I know Dusty's a bit of a controversial figure in his own right, but I remember watching him talk about the subject I'm about to broach, and someone in the comments section was like, big minds talk about ideas and small minds talk about people, as if trying to shame Dusty for daring to cover it. And I get why people might find it distasteful to give any time to these drama or gossip stories, but I think often people, myself included, for better or worse, can't help but to be drawn to this sort of thing. And if you're in the comments section objecting to my coverage, then that probably means you're no exception, you're here too. Uh, plus, I've covered my fair share of weighty topics, even produced more than my fair share of religious and historical documentaries, so I'm giving myself permission to do some dumpster diving. Let's go slumming. 
So this story involves two high-profile atheists, Matt Dillahunty and David Silverman. You guys might remember a while back I covered sexual misconduct allegations against David Silverman, the former president of American Atheists, and that episode was so long ago I can barely remember what I said, but I'm pretty sure the gist of my reaction, as it usually is with these he-said-she-said cases, is that we should stress how serious and abhorrent sexual assault and harassment are, and do our best to speak out against it, to strongly denounce and condemn such behavior, and that we should take allegations seriously. But also, in these, once again, these he said, she said cases, we should also have a responsibility to stress the difference between allegations and proven fact, and that, you know, sometimes, remember that sometimes, sometimes people are falsely accused, and we want to avoid leading a witch hunt against someone who's yet to be proven guilty. And if I remember correctly, there were a couple of women making allegations against Silverman. I think one accused him of some kind of sexual impropriety at a conference. I think her story was that he used his power as the head of American Atheists to offer her a job in exchange for sex, and they did end up having a sexual encounter. The second woman, who only went by the initial R, shared her story with BuzzFeed, and the picture she painted was that Silverman was this kind of rough, domineering guy who, acting on the knowledge that she was supposedly into BDSM, pushed himself on her and forcefully accosted her. Silverman lost his job with American Atheists, was pretty much written off as a pariah by the quote-unquote atheist community, and has now literally resorted to selling insurance because of his difficulty finding work. And so Silverman has finally spoken out. He recently sat down for a long interview with Atheist Republic. You can find it on YouTube. I think it's about an hour or two in length. And credit where credit's due. I found out about the Atheist Republic video via Dusty Stream. According to Silverman regarding the first accusation, he admits to having sex with the conference goer, but he claims he was upfront with her and said after she asked him about a job, told her there wouldn't be any, and if they had sex, it wouldn't be in exchange for that. And things get pretty raunchy, so if you have sensitive ears, uh, here's your warning. He didn't have a condom, so he asked her if anal was alright, and she supposedly agreed, and they had consensual intercourse. Also, I think Silverman said that he was in his 30s when this went down, and he's in his uh, early 50s now. So a while ago, not saying that if some kind of sexual transgression or assault uh, occurred, that, you know, the passage of time should make it more acceptable. Uh, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, give some context. Silverman does admit, even according to his account, that it was wrong and irresponsible as a representative of American atheists to engage in sexual contact with a conference attendee. As far as the second allegation goes, this is where things get really wild. According to Dusty Smith, the accuser known simply as R is Matt Dillahunty's wife, allegedly no one sue me. Uh, that's what Dusty's saying. And Dusty, you know, he's been around for a while and he does have connections in the kind of, you know, the old school atheist community. And now Silverman is planning on suing. And he does say in that Atheist Republic video that he, he is suing these people, but he doesn't mention them by name. So according to what Dusty's saying, this would mean that he's planning on suing 
uh, her, you know, the accuser, Dillahunty's wife, Dillahunty, and American Atheist. The wife, because of false allegations, Dillahunty for supposedly trying to have him blacklisted, and American Atheist for dumping him without any evidence that he had actually done what he had been accused of. So the picture Silverman paints is that Dillahunty and his wife are swingers, and the wife is into BDSM. Also, he had been close friends with both of them. I believe this also happened at some kind of atheist conference or event. Supposedly, according to Silverman, Dillahunty's wife had been openly hanging on him all night, including trying to kiss him, etc., in view of others. And Silverman claims he has others willing to attest to this. Uh, they wanted to hook up, but Dillahunty, despite being in open marriage, didn't want her to go to bed with Silverman specifically for some reason. Maybe because they were friends and thought it would make things too weird or awkward, I don't know. Or maybe uh, Dillahunty was threatened or jealous of Silverman in some way. But anyway, the two go on to engage in sexual intimacy despite Dillahunty's objections. I believe he and his wife were conversing off and on by phone. It's not like he was in the room getting cucked. I hate the word cuck, but finally a legitimate reason to use it. So, so I told you guys this, you know, I don't know, man. There goes the monetization. We're slumming. Things are getting crazy. So according to Silverman... All the things she accused him of are true, but happened over a span of hours and were taken out of context. The acts, according to Silverman, were all part of dom-sub sex play, consensual sex play. So speaking of that, I'm about to play a clip. It's absolutely nuts. Once again, sensitive ears warning. The sub wants to hear. Right. That's the way... That's the way, and doing to the sub what the sub wants done to them. That's, that's the idea. So she's standing in front of me, she's taking off her clothes, and she says, um, call me a whore, call me a slut, call me a hole. And she mentions a former lover by name, and she says, he's not even man enough to call me a slut. Um, keeps this robing, and uh, she, I get her on her knees at the foot of the bed. She tells me again, call me a whore. I used to be a prostitute. I should be ashamed for it. And that's when I called her a dirty whore. It's hard because this is a woman who, yes, I called her a whore after she told me to call her a whore twice. Mm. This actually happened. And this is what's been disturbing for me so much. So um, I, I grab her by the hair. I pull her hair back. And I uh, say, I'm going to spit in your mouth. Open your mouth. She says, no. I tap her lightly across the face. I say, you're not allowed to say no to me. The no doesn't stop me. Stop doesn't stop me. The safe word is red. Do you understand? She looks at me. She says, I understand. Then I said, open your mouth. I'm going to spit in your mouth. She opens her mouth. I spit in her mouth. And I so, say... So for people that don't understand when you're doing this kind of role play, then... The understanding is that no doesn't mean no. For a lot of people, that's a four. four. Yes, a lot of people might think like, "What?" That's a very triggering phrase to say. No doesn't mean no. That because they're not familiar with the BDSM. But this is the way BDSM works. Right. So okay, red a safe word. Red means no. So I'm holding her like this. Yeah, red means red we got, means a, we got no. a problem. Yeah, okay. red is red is the 
subs means for engaging their autonomy. And she admitted in the BuzzFeed article that when you did say red, when she did say red, you did stop. Yes, but that was a lie. Okay, then here's, continue. Here's what happened. Okay, continue. Um, I did stop, but that's not the way it worked. Okay. So uh, I spat in her mouth and I said, I'm going to do it again. And that's when she said red. Mm. And when she said red, I let go of her hair and I said, oh, you don't like that, huh? And she says, no, I don't like that. I said, okay, let's do something else. She's okay. And we get up on the bed. So it's not like when she said red, of course I stopped immediately, but we didn't stop playing. We kept going. So yeah, wow. And for YouTube viewers, man, the look on Dusty's face with Silverman's talking about spitting uh, in her mouth. Oh, man. You know, I'm a pretty jaded guy. I've been around the block. Um, but yeah, even when I first heard that, I'm like, what is going on? I mean, hey, spit is nature's lubricant. But I, But I mean, I think the thing is, spitting right into someone's mouth it's despite the fact that people swap spit well kissing and all it's weird because there's that you know there's that duality there uh that that paradox where on the one hand people absolutely love making out right kissing where it, <laughs> where essentially yeah you're swapping saliva and on the other hand Spitting is considered one of the grossest things you can do, especially if you're spitting on another human being. So I think the problem people have with it is that, and maybe the you know they're they're both I guess into BDSM. Or, you know that's not my thing, and I'm not into demeaning a sexual partner, my sexual partners or whatever you know, and. Um, Spitting in someone's mouth seems like a warped power move where you're trying to see how much you can control and debase and denigrate the other person. But I guess that's kind of what people who are into BDSM, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what it's about in, in some ways. You know, that's part of the kink. And I'm not going to play it here, but Dusty also got his hands on an audio recording of Silverman and Dillahunty talking. In it, Dillahunty basically says he and Silverman are okay, even to the point where Dillahunty is still willing to share a stage with him. But Dillahunty seems to have zero interest in talking about a certain topic, which most likely is what went down between Silverman and his wife. The point being, I guess, that if Silverman really assaulted his wife, Dillahunty probably wouldn't be okay with him and, you know, to the point of being willing to share a stage with him. And so I'm not sure exactly where that recording came from. Dusty says he got it from a kind of high-profile atheist insider. And I think it is known that um, supposedly Silverman did record Dillahunty at some point to try the show or illustrate that Dillahunty knew that what went down was consensual and there wasn't a, you know, assault. And I should add, and this is kind of graphic too, but to illustrate his point that this was, you know, consensual, he also tells how he, as part of BDSM play, he sent R you know, who 
Dusty is revealed to be Dillahunty's wife. And fairness, to cover my own backside, Silverman himself in that Atheist Republic video does not name any of these people by their real names. So he sends her into the bathroom to take a picture of her genitals and come back and show it to him, which he does. And supposedly, even after Dillahunty, you know, allegedly tells her on the phone, I don't want you sleeping with Silverman or whatever, she came back later on to Silverman's door, hotel room door or whatever, so they could continue messing around. So if Silverman's account is correct and his encounters with both accusers were consensual, then the most he's guilty of, I guess, is sleeping with his friend's wife, which is pretty bad, and being a debauched, twisted hedonist or libertine, you know? If that's true and everything was, once again, consensual, then I think more power to him in regard to his future career and all that. I think he should start his own atheist organization from the ground up. I think he's currently got a YouTube channel called Firebrand for Good or something like that. But that concludes that story. Uh, so I was going to play a clip where the always demented Jesse Lee Peterson claims in the wake of a young pastor's suicide that no true Christian can be suicidal or depressed. But I think I'll skip that due to time constraints and skip to this final story about a twisted fundamentalist preacher or pastor who pretty much says dogs are worthless and you should kill them if they get in the way of evangelizing. As an animal lover, especially dogs, this one really got under my skin. And I called out this clip uh, from an episode of The Drunken Peasants. Here it is. All right, let's if listen to this. animal that's prohibiting anything about humankind, kill it. Amen. People would be like, well, I can't go out soul winning. Who's going to watch little Fido? <laughs> Bring him over. I got a gun. Hold up, G time. What the fuck is this guy talking about? He says, like, this you know, if uh, if you need someone to take care of your dog, just kill it, and then uh, just get a new one. I guess. No, he doesn't say replace it, does he? If you, I don't know. If you have to euthanize your dog because you can't take care of it, you don't get another dog. Hold on. Can't go out soul winning. Who's gonna watch little Fido? That's if there is an animal. That's prohibiting anything about humankind, kill it. Oh. People would be oh. like, well, I can't go out okay. soul winning. Who's going to watch little Fido? <laughs> Bring him over. I got a gun. <laughs> what the f Why are they laughing? Kill I want to call this guy's bluff. I wanna, I got, my dog is <clears throat> relatively old, and he recently just got sick, and he's actually in an issue where he's actually in medical danger, uh, which is the thing I was mentioning earlier where I have to be moving. But... Um, I don't want to call his bluff. I'll bring my dog over. Are you going to shoot him? Oh, if I tried to call his bluff him. and he shot my dog, there would be one more murder after that. I couldn't. Right? I couldn't. There's I couldn't no let someone do that to my bugs. I don't believe him. I can't. I'm, uh... So this is uh, Steadfast Baptist Church, either in Oklahoma City or Jacksonville, Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Those those areas seem to line up with uh, this sort of thinking. I just, I, mean, I, I like I wanted I wanted to get some context because like the way the guy is dressed remind and like Steve McRae is right on it too. Like this reminds me of Steven Anderson something yeah. fierce yeah, like totally. immediately. Yeah. Um, but fuck, dude, that's a that's a little bit far even for them. This is Steven Glanderson. It's kind of bizarre to go. I'm gonna kill your pet. Because Not even I'm gonna kill your drinking. pet. 
He's, he's like, he's like, hey, if your dog, uh, you know, if you can't watch your dog, bring him to me. I'll shoot him in the fucking head. This is next level. Psycho. Well, he also said he said something about soloing, which now, if I'm understanding the context correctly, he means if I want to go out for a night and I need somebody to watch my dog. If you haven't, you should be able to go out for a night if you have a dog. Dogs aren't that needy. Yeah. I, like, I, I could leave my dog alone for a day, like a full 24 hours. As long yeah. as I took him out and he made sure he went for a run, I could come back within 24 hours and he would be perfectly fine. The house would not be destroyed. He's not kenneled. He'd be perfectly content and he would have no issues. Leave him some food and water, he'd be fine. Let's, let's see some more of this dude. Yeah, exactly. Let's give him some more rope to hang himself with because I can't see this getting any better. <laughs> Why would you let a dog stop you from doing the work of the Lord? Yeah. It's Soloing, is that like when you go out and you spread the word of the Lord and he's saying kill yeah. your dog if you can't go out and spread the word of the, the Lord? Street epistemology? is. Uh, hold on. Isn't it humanity's job as per the bible and as per a lot of evangelical christian stance to take care of the world which would include taking care of animals which means their responsibility super like that responsibility would supersede anything that like you don't need to tell people about god god can tell people about god doesn't he do that yeah right you would think, but they, they gotta spread the word. They, if they don't spread the word, they're they're, they're not they're not spreading Christianity. They're spreading the gospel. They're, 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 people are gonna go to hell. Gonna die, and its spirit's gonna turn down into the dust. You're never gonna see it again. You know what? That soul that you saved, it's gonna go with you to heaven. Oh, dogs don't. Look, have I'm not soul. saying dogs let's just. Heaven. All Got dogs it. go to heaven. The dog Bluth, the Don Bluth movie is a lie. Dogs oh, wow. apparently do not go to heaven. It goes to dust and nothing else. Dogs don't have souls. Animals don't have souls. Only people have souls, so go fuck your dog. I thought he just said that the dog will go to to with you in heaven. I thought he just no, said No, he that. said the dog will turn to dust, but the soul you saved via whatever oh, you're sacrificing. Oh, yeah, oh. you're sacrificing the dog to save a soul, no, and the dog's soul I, doesn't go to heaven. It returns to dust. Okay. All right, so there it was. And for you YouTube viewers... That guy in the top left is Ben, one of the hosts of the Drunken Peasants, and who's actually holding his long-haired chihuahua. And that's what kind of dog I have. Actually, my last two dogs have been long-haired chihuahua. Long-haired chihuahuas are good people. Uh, so, yeah, I think they were trying to figure out what the guy was saying. They were saying he might be saying soloing. I think he might have been saying soul-winning, you know, as in evangelizing. Uh, I'm not sure about that. And uh, that woman you were hearing, that is Cheshire or Cheshire uh, Vic. She's actually the co-host of a show uh, Steve McRae does on, on YouTube. Uh, seems like good people. Uh, I, I like uh, Cheshire Vic, and she's been appearing on The Drunken Peasants recently. And she made a great point that, you know, that's pretty extreme, man. Killing your dog because it might keep you from going out and doing something. What kind of situation would there be where your dog would keep you in? I have a dog and I, I work all day. You know, I go out and do social stuff here and there. I run errands. 
as a pet owner, there's always that heartbreaking moment where you leave the house and the dog looks up at you with these big sad eyes. But you know everything will be fine. You'll be back before you know it and the dog will be all happy again. But the dog doesn't keep you from doing things unless, you know, maybe if you had a dog that was very ill that you constantly had to take care of and make sure that had medicine on time or something like that. And this guy's reasoning apparently is that since animals have no souls, it doesn't matter that that animal's going to die and that's the end of it. But the person that you might save through, you know, evangelizing will be with you in heaven and, you know, their soul is eternal or immortal or whatever. First of all, I've always been very put off by this idea I hear come from some Christians that animals don't have souls. You know, I mean, so they're they're lesser, they're relatively disposable. They're, you know, the only reason why they're here is, is as resources for mankind, the crown of God's creation, you know? Even if you look in the Bible, I mean, I think that's open to interpretation. Often... I think in the Hebrew Bible, it's the breath of life that is pretty much talked about as what we would think of as the soul. And I think both man and animals, and technically we are animals, are described as having the breath of life. So I don't think it's a case-closed thing that the Bible says animals don't have souls. Now, don't get me wrong, as a non-believer, as a skeptic, I personally doubt the existence of any immortal soul, whether we're talking about a, uh, a human or a dog. But it's the sentiment that I resent about it. It's this very kind of cold, mean-spirited attitude that animals are lesser and are disposable. It's I think it's also a very short-sighted egocentric kind of view too because i mean we can look at animals uh, especially the kind of higher mammals like a, a dog or something and we can see how much we have in common we can see that they have some kind of inner emotional life you can see that there's a kind of light in the eyes um that there seems to be some kind of you know understanding or theory of mind there they're sensitive, sentient, living creatures that, that are certainly capable of feeling pain and fear. And I think that alone makes them deserving of our compassion and stewardship. And let's say for the sake of argument that souls do exist, I don't see any reason why a human would have one and not a dog. Once again, we can look at other animals and see how much they have in common with us, especially the more advanced mammals. And if souls did exist, why would we have them and not them? And let's say for the sake of argument, we had souls and they didn't. Aren't they still deserving of compassion and care while they're here? And in fairness to Christians, I know these guys are kind of extreme and they don't represent all Christians. And I think, once again, this hateful view is kind of diametrically opposed to some things we can find in the Old Testament. There's the story of Balaam, you know, the, the story of the guy who beat his donkey 
And uh, finally, the, an angel of the Lord intervenes and the donkey is given a voice and kind of, cr you know, cries out asking, why do you beat me and this and that, you know? And uh, if you look at the, uh, the flood narrative, I believe either in the canonical Bible or in an apocryphal version, there's a point made that eating meat is not an ideal situation. It was a concession that was made after the flood. So there seems to be, even in the Bible, places where kindness to animals and the importance of animals as creations of God is emphasized. So in that sense, these guys seem to go against their own religion. But what a deranged, deluded, nasty hominid this guy is. I was going to make a comment about how I hope a pack of wild dogs gets a hold of him. He's processed through their digestive systems and they go on to live happily ever after. Uh, but I guess, well, I kind of did just say that, didn't I? But also, you know, this guy, guy's so smug and smiling about his desire to, you know, nonchalantly want to kill a dog. Uh, there are animal cruelty laws, you piece of shit. You know, I mean, uh, I'm getting worked up. But anyway, I'm going to call this episode a wrap. Thanks for listening. As always, you guys know the drill. Facebook, Twitter. can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe doing that now. If you want to support the show, and if I receive enough support, you know, I will someday try to make this my day job. For the time being, I can't afford to do that. I'm still swinging a hammer. But you can go to patreon.com slash theweekendout and support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. All right, brothers and sisters, until next week.